Today's daf is daf Ayin Ches. And we left off with Tanu Rabbanon. We are up to the sixth line on Ayin Ches number Aleph, 78a. And the Sugi now is going to continue talking about the halacha which states that a Egyptian convert is going to be forbidden until the third generation. The Tanakana of our Mishnah held it didn't only apply to the males, it applies to females as well. While Rabbi Shimon made a Kavachimer from, um, from Amay Nemayev, that the same way they are forbidden forever, the, the same way, I'm sorry, yeah, the males are forbidden forever, but the women are permitted. So too, he says, by the Mitzrim, the women are allowed. Okay, now. Says the Gemara, six lines from the top of Ayin Ches Amar Aleph. Ton Rabban the Rabbis don't associate. Imnam Arbanim. It says it says in the Torah the sons of a Mitzri Lama Namar Dairis. Why are you going to talk about generations? Sons means the next generation. Imnam Dairis. And if you're going to use the word generations, Lama Namar Banim. Why do you got to talk about sons? Now, what's the pasuk? So the pasuk in the Torah. There's a pasuk in Devarim. This is going to be the focus of our halacha when it comes to Mitzrim. It says that, that, the sons that are born to them for the generation of Shlishi, the third generation, that, that generation could be they're allowed to join in the Kalashem. Now again, the question though is the same question. And that is, a generation means the next generation, referring to children. What's the difference between the word dar and the difference and, and the word banim? Says the Gemara. If the, if the Torah would have only written banim asher yivoldu lahem, and it wouldn't have written the word doros, I would have said, listen, the the son of a first generation and the son of a second generation are going to be forbidden, shlishi matir, but the third generation itself would already be permitted to marry into Klal Yisrael. Therefore it says you need to wait three generations, okay, that, um, to, to let us know that, you, that there's an additional, that it's that dar, it's the third generation that's going to be allowed. Okay, all of the, uh, all of the descendants of the convert are going to be usher, and it is only the generation number three that is going to be mutter. Every descendant, every descendant, not only the sons, every descendant is going to be usher, including males, females. Okay. If it would have only written Dairus and not the word sons, I would have said, only those who stood at Har Sinai. Okay, if it would have said, Jonathan, if it would have said the third generation is allowed to marrying in without mentioning third, I would say, you know, the third generation from, ready for this? Not an Egyptian convert. I would have said the third generation from Etias Mitzrayim. Right? Whoever stood at Har Sinai. Therefore, it says the word Bonim, sons later on that will be born to them is letting us know anybody who descends from from uh, Edoim or from uh, Mitzri, you're going to have to wait till three generations. Again, it's not three generations from then, it's three generations from the conversion. Okay, back to the Pasuk. The Pasuk says, again, Banim asher yivoldu lahem, sons that are born lahem to them. What does it mean to them? Mehem menei. From them, from those 
for, uh, you know, from these doros, menes, that's the word minion, we start counting. Lohem holach achar psulam. What does it mean for them? It's also letting us know that you follow their psul. Okay, you follow their psul. What does it mean you follow their psul? So this is a sugi we're about to enter in some fascinating cases, and let's explain. What happens if you have a first-generation Mitzri convert that marries a second-generation Mitzris? Okay, that child, they're allowed to marry, but is that child now considered a second-generation Mitzri or a third-generation Mitzri? You're going to follow the dad, you're going to follow the mom. Or what if it's vice versa? Okay. Everybody's in agreement with that. But what happens if one of them convert, one of them's a Mitzri convert? Oh, convert. Yeah. And the other one, and the Mitzri convert marries the child of a Mitzri convert. A child of a Mitzri. Yeah, so therefore. So one of them is a first generation Mitzri, and the other one's a second generation Mitzri getting married, right? You have a first. Convert, you mean, from a Mitzri to a Jew? Yeah, they convert from Mitzri to a Jew. Not, not, not just a plain Psalm convert. Correct, correct. A Mitzri convert. So the Shiloh is going to be, the Torah tells us the third generation can marry in. But what happens if the child is, let's say you have a daughter, a couple has a daughter. The husband is a first generation Mitzri convert and the wife is a second generation Mitzri convert. What's the status of their child? Is that child, is that, are we going to use the first generation, you know, and say the child's only a second generation? You're going to consider the child to be a third generation. Okay, you're going to follow. So that's, that's going to be uh, a focus that we're, uh, we're focusing in on. It says, It's necessary to use the word lahem, who were born to them. And also, Asheri Voldu. The cause of Rahman Asheri Voldu. If the Torah would have been written, Banim Asheri Voldu, Lem Darshlishi, sons that are born, are, that are third generation, Havamina, Mibinehem, and Nay, I would have said that the three generations count from the males. Cause of Rahman Allahem. Therefore, the Torah writes, Lohem. Now, what does it mean? That no, you, you start, you, it doesn't start from three generations of children. It's three generations of the person who converted. I would have thought the following, and now we're entering into a whole nother fascinating color. We're opening a can of worms over here about pregnancy. And the Brisa says, if you have an Egyptian woman that converts and she's expecting a child, um, she's expecting a child. When she converts. When she converts. And then the child's born afterwards. So the child's born Jewish. Is that child considered a first generation or a second generation? So let's listen to this. He chad. Both her and the son that was born, that she was pregnant with, are only considered the first generation. That's what I would have thought. Okay? Because they're all converting at the same time and then you're going to have to wait additional generations. So, as long as whoever's born Jewish. So, so if you have a woman who's pregnant and converts to Judaism, and then a week later she has a child, that child will already be considered a second, uh, will already be considered a child, right? The second generation from the convert, the, the, the child himself will not be considered 
a convert. Now, why is this opening up a fascinating conversation? So as we're going to see, as we move along the blot, there's, a, there's an interesting conversation about how to view a child. How to view a child. There's an opinion that's a, a, a fetus. There's an opinion which states that a fetus, ober yerech imay, the fetus is considered a limb of a mother. If ober yerech imay, if a, uber, if a fetus is considered a limb of a mother, well then guess what? When the mother converts, that converts the child as well. I would talk to say the child is a first generation convert because he was a part of the mother and now he's not going to count for an additional generation. But if you say ober lav yerech imay, that a fetus is not considered a limb of a mother, so then... That, that's the logic to say that as soon as this fetus is born, he's, you know, he, he's still considered the next generation. Okay, back inside. It's necessary to, for the Torah to use the word lohem um, over here by Mitzrim. And also needs to use the word loy when referring to a mamzer. Okay, it says... Um, He's not allowed to marry into the Kahal Hashem. Because Rahman Hachakzifatar would have only written by the Mitzrim who are not allowed to marry in. I would say, by a Mitzri, where this fetus started out from a tummy place, okay, because the, the parents were uh, Egyptian and not Jewish at the time of his conception. But a mamzer comes from a, a tipak shera, a malai. I would say that you're not going to have the same the, the same problem. Maybe we'll be lenient on him. Because Rahman Gabi Mamzer, and if I would have only written Gabi Mamzer, maybe a mamzer, we're going to be more machmeron. Granted that his source was given Bikdusha, even though in a forbidden way, but both of his parents are Jewish, but still, you can never remove the forbidden status of a mamzer. A mamzer's children are mamzerim, and mamzerises, and it goes weiter, weiter, weiter. It keeps going, as opposed to an Egyptian, where there's an end time, so there's a leniency on the Egyptians, but by the Egyptian, I would say maybe we'll be lenient, I need the word lai, I need the word lahem, to, to teach me the, to teach me how to count and how to view the actual birth, both by a mamzer and by a mitzri. Omar Omar New case. Here we go. Now we're going to get into the real in-depths about these off generations. When you have a first generation person marrying a second generation person, what's the status? Mitzri Shani Shanosa Mitzri Shrishina. Now follow along who's the male, who's the female. Okay, here we go. All right. Here we go. You have a second generation Jewish Mitzri that marries a Mitzris Rishayna who marries a first generation Mitzris. Bna Shlishi Havoy. That child is now considered a third generation because we're going to assume right now you follow the father. Since the father is a second generation Mitzri, this child is not going to be a third generation. I, the mother's first, doesn't matter. We're assuming I follow the father. Says the Gemara, Alma, you see from here, Kosovar, Rabbi Barbarchana, quoting Rabbi Echidon, holds, Basar Didei Shadinon Lei. Yeah, that the third generation Mitzri status is dependent on the dad, it's not dependent on the ma. Mosiv Rabbi Yosef. Now, if that is true, that it's dependent on the dad, Rabbi Yosef asks a challenging question. Rabbi Tarfin Aimer, Rabbi Tarfin says, I have a way to, to stop 
mamzerus in its tracks. We can have a mamzer in Klai Yisrael, and their children will not necessarily be mamzer. Keitzad. What do we do? Ready for this? Here you go. Mamzer shenosa shivcha. If you have a mamzer that marries a shivcha kenanis. Okay. Now, why is a mamzer allowed to marry shivcha kenanis? Kumar Kedushin lets us know that since she's really Jewish or quasi, not really Jewish, but she, she's mechoyev in some mitzvahs, a mamzer is allowed to have relations with her. Well, guess what happens in such a case? That kid's not Jewish. Kids, they're allowed to, he's allowed to have relations with her because she's like quasi. Yeah, a, here's where we have a concept of half Jewish for the first, you know. But the child is going to be an Eved. The child's not going to be a mamzer. The child's not even Jewish. So the kid's not going to be a mamzer. Shechrerai, and then you free this Eved Kenani, Nimtze Ben This kid now is a regular, full-fledged Ben Chayrin, a regular Jew. He's a, he's, he's a kid who was freed. Alma Bosar Didei Shadinale. So ask Rabbi Yisif, you see from here that Yichus follows the mother, it does not follow the father. So why are we saying that when a second generation male marries a first generation female or following the father, that's not true when it comes to mamze, a mamzer and an eved. Why in one place we're following the male and in one place we're following the female? I get the kasha. Okay. Says the Gemara. Shiny awesome. There's a difference between mamzerus and mitzri. What's an afkmina between mamzerus and mitzri? The Omar Kra, Shtetan Posuk, Haisha Viladel, Tia Ladinel, Xerza Kosov, Haisha Viladel, Tia Ladinel, lets us know that he's going to remain in the domain of the owner. Okay? This is a Xerza Kosov that applies only to a Shivcha Kananis, but elsewhere, Yichus Taka follows the father. Now, we're not talking about Judaism, we're talking about Yichus. Okay, Yichus. The Gemara is answering that your question from Shifcha Kananis is not a question because the general rule remains. Yichus follows the father. Right, there's an exception because of Agzir Sakosov by an Eved. But that's just the exception. Hence, don't question me about Eved from Mamzer. They work differently, different Sukkim. Okay. Amos of Rava. Rabbah now asks another challenging question on Rabbi Echanan. Again, what did Rabbi Echanan say? Rabbi Echanan said that we fa- that he didn't say we follow the father, but he said, the assumption is he follows the father. He says, a second generation mitzri, he marries a first generation mitzris, the kid's going to be third. That was his statement. So now we're going to challenge that for the following price. Omar Rabbi Yudah. Rabbi Yudah says, Men yamen ger mitzri, hayali chavra mitamida Rabbi Akiva. Men yamen, who was a Ger Mitzri. He was a Chavrli, a Mitamid Rebbe Kiva. He was a good friend of mine, and he learned in Rebbe Kiva's yeshiva. V'yamar, Minyamin said, Ani Mitzri Rishayin, I am a Mitzri Rishayin, Ben Asasi Mitzris Rishayin. And I married a Mitzris Rishayin. And guess what I'm going to do? Asi Levni Mitzris Rishayin, my son, who's going to be second generation, I'm going to marry him to a second generation woman. So we can have a third generation. Rebbe Kiva is correct. Why is he waiting to do this? Even first generation. He hit us. In other words, Minyamin says, I, I want to make sure that my Enochluch, my grandchildren, can marry Yidin. So I'm going to marry first generation Mitzvahs. And then we'll have a son. 
that son's going to be second generation. I'll marry him to a second generation woman so that the third generation could be of the Bikal. That's what I said. Ask the Gemara, Benyamin, you're a Talmud Chacham. Yeah? If Rabbi Yishu, if Rabbi Yechanan is correct, that, um, if Rabbi Yechanan is correct, that a second generation Mitzri, male, their children is automatically a third generation. Why is he, why is he saying, my son will marry a second generation woman? Even if a son marries a first generation woman, that Enoch will be okay. Right? You don't need to marry her to a second generation. So that's a kash on Rabbi Echanan from the story with Minyamin. Says the Gemara, no. Rabbi Echanan said to the Tana, Tani Rishayna, that you got the story wrong. <laughs> Minyamin actually said, I'm comfortable even marrying my son off to a first generation mitzvah because my children will still be permitted to be Yavai. Okay. Now, I want to just mention something over here. We're about to get into the sugya of Uber Yerachimai. Okay, but I want, to, I want to mention something that's fascinating. And it's, it's a wonderful thing to keep in mind and notice. Nowadays, we really could have mentioned this anywhere, but we're choosing here to mention this. Nowadays, if somebody converts to Judaism, is one of the shidduch questions, are they possibly Egyptian Huh? Oh. Possibly Egypt? No. It's not one of the questions. Right? It's not one of the... Uh, what about... Uh, maybe they're from Amun and Maiv. You can't marry them. Territ says we're not concerned. You know why? Because, Rabbi Ravinsky just pointed out, and Tysus points this out two daf ago, and I and Vav Amadbez gets into this, and that is Sancher of Melech Ashur. He was the king of Assyria. So he conquered... Uh, huh? He, he was Mevalbel. He mixed everybody up. He, he, he controlled a large part of the world. And he was concerned about rebellion. If you're a king over a lot of countries, it's very hard to keep, uh, keep your people happy. So he came up with a chap. He came up with an idea. His idea was, he, as soon as he took power, he moved around all the countries. And he knew that when somebody's in Gullus, it's much harder for them to rebel. So he took people from... From, uh, you know, uh, wherever. From one, from one country, put them in a different country. He right? took people from uh, Yemen and put them into uh, Syria. You know what I mean? And mixed everybody around. Hence, nowadays we don't have any real people. Now, Sancherev was earlier. Minyamin is a Talmud of Rabbi Akiva. Why is everybody nervous about this? Why is he nervous? Rabbi Huh? Okay. You can say maybe at a star but so Taisvis Lamaisa says that he doesn't come up with a my uh, I shouldn't say he doesn't come up with a great answer. I don't know. Who we to say that about Taisus? Taisus, perhaps you could say that for whatever reason Sanchirav didn't mess with Mitzrayim. So the Mitzrayim in particular at the time still had an issue. You just said the reason we don't ask is because right, right. So that's why it's uh, you know, we're not concerned. The question is stronger. Question stronger. That, that, that's that's what it is. That's what it is. Because otherwise, you have a guy like what's he what's he nervous about, right? I'm a mystery. Okay, you can say maybe start yuchsin. Fine, interesting. But it, this is this is good to keep in mind. Stamazai that all these ideas that we're talking about is when you know you're from that country. You know that's where your origins are. Nowadays. Lamaisa, this is, does not need to be on the Shidduch resume. I've been checked out that I'm not from Mayev. Okay, you don't, well, we're not concerned about that. Okay. Q. 
Kiyosar Vdimi Yom Rav Yechanan, when Rav Dimi came, he said the name of Rav Yechanan, Mitzri Shani Shinosa Mitzvah Rishayna. If you have a second generation of Mitzri, who marries a Mitzvah Rishayna, you ready? Bina Shani Havai. This child is not a Shlishi, it's a Shani. Meaning we're flipping around where Rav Yechanan originally held. Originally, what did Rav Yechanan seem to imply? You follow the dead. So if the father is second generation, who marries the mother first generation, the kid will be a third. Now we're switching it around. We're saying, no, Rabbi Yechonon really held, if you have a second generation male, Mitzri, marrying a first generation female, the kid is still second like the father. In other words, says the Gemara, Alma Basar you see you follow the mother, not the father. And on that, we're going to do everything backwards. Ready? Amalei Abai, Abai says, Rabbi says, if somebody sets aside an animal as a carbon chathos, and it turns out this animal was pregnant and the animal gave birth. So you sanctified an animal to be your sin offer. And then the animal had a child. What is the status of the child? The child animal. Says, um, The child also is a carbon chathos. And the, own, the, the one who set it aside can actually choose whether he wants to use the mother as his chatas or the child as the chatas. Okay. Now Rashi points out that obviously the other one still has the, the holiness of a carbon chatas, so you're going to have to deal with it accordingly. Now in general, what you do accordingly is you let it graze till it gets a mum, and then you sell it and use the money to, to, you know, to purchase a nadava purchase a different animal, but be it as it may, you can choose whichever one you want, the mother or the child. Fine. Now says the Gemara an amazing thing. Here's the chap. This all makes sense. This is all understandable if you say that an uber, a fetus, is not considered the yerech, a limb, the thigh of the mother. Lost the place, I'm sorry. So now it's like you set aside two karbachatos as an achrayas, meaning I, what I could do is I can set aside an animal as a chatos and then take another animal and say, oh, and that's the backup. In case something goes wrong with animal number one, I'm going to bring animal number two. Okay? Vyomar Rabbeishia, and Rabbeishia, so if you'll do Rabbeishia, Vyomar Rabbeishia says, Hifrish, Teichatois, Lachrayis, if a person does such a thing, you set aside two animals, one to back up the other, you know, relief pitcher, Mishaper, Ba'achas Mehem, Vashniya Sira. So, at the time that, it, at the time that you're bringing the carbon Chatos, okay, we're about to enter the wide lines on the bottom of Ein Chesabad Aleph, one more skinny line. So, you're going to get your kapar with one. The other one, you're going to sear it. You're going to let it go, graze. But if you say that an ober is mamich yarech like we just said, it's like the limb of the mother. So then this vlad, this child, is going to have the status of a carbon chatos. And you know what happens when a, you know what happens when a carbon chatos has a child? Vlad chatos lemisa ozil. The halacha is the child of a carbon chatos is set aside for Misa, is set aside for death, not to, to be left to graze. Is it considered a child or, a, or, or a, a thigh? If it's part of the mother, this all makes sense. If it's not, not. So Ishtik, Rav Dimi was quiet. He didn't know how to respond. So Amr Lay, Abai said, Doma Shani Maybe you could say that there's a difference between the case of the animals 
and the pregnancy of a korban chatos as opposed to this pregnant woman who converts. By the Egyptian who converts, it says, who are born to them, they're the ones who can marry in. So the Torah makes it dependent on the birth as opposed to the uh, pregnancy. So the Gemara is, you know, wiggling out by saying like this, you know, over here, which is even though granted in general, we're going to say both by humans and by animals that that uh, that However, by it's a thigh, a limb of the mother, not considered a separate entity. However, but by the Egyptian uh, prohibition of marrying into Klal Yisrael, since it says Asher Bahem, any Mitzri Kamber who's born to them, even if you tell me that this baby was a part of the mother, that would, according to logic, mean what? Same generation. Doesn't matter. You know why? Because the baby was still born afterwards. Everybody agrees. It's called born. And since it's born, even if it was part of the mother, now it's the next door. As far as this halacha specifically. Amalei, so Dimi says back to him, you know, he, he, he to, we, we almost knocked Ravdimi out of the water. And then Abai goes and he sticks up for him. He says, Ravdimi, he would be a good terrorist for you. <laughs> right? Here's a good shot. So Amalei, Ravdimi says, Karkafna, Karkafna um, is, uh, means you have a good head. You have a good head. Chazisei Lereshi, I saw your head, Beni Amude, between the pillars. This is an expression of, huh? Yeah, to, to be in the base medrash. They would have these, they'd have these, I saw you, I saw you, you're a, you're a masmid. I saw you're a masmid. When Rabbi was teaching over this halacha, okay, meaning you were there, you were you were uh, listening intently, listening closely, so you got this down pat. Okay, period. End of that conversation for now concerning the third generation Mitzri. But now, what the Gemara is going to do is really take us on a fascinating journey and discuss this concept of how do we view a fetus. This conversation about whether Uber yet Mamish and Yana Diyama, right? And Yana Diyama, meaning practical what's going on now in America with the Supreme Court. How do we deal with uh, how do we deal with a fetus? Is it considered a limb of a mother or is it considered an entity in and of itself? Okay, here we go. Taima, the reason why, the reason why. Rabbi Yechanan in the Ika de Amri says that you follow the generation of the mother is because of the words Asher Yivoldu. Whoever she, she gave birth to is the next generation. Asher Yivoldu, who gives birth? The father or the mother? The mother. So the reason why you're going to follow the mother according to the second way of Rabbi Yechanan is because of the words Asher Yivoldu. Haba'alma. But what about without the verse of Asher Yivoldu? Without that pasuk. It seems, ready for this? That the child takes on the lineage of the father. Now, so what if it takes on the lineage of the father? So listen closely. Right. If, it, if, it does, if the child takes on the lineage of the father, that is symbolic that there's a separation between of mother and child, even while she's pregnant. And this child is considered its own entity following the lineage of the father. A mother doesn't follow the lineage of the father. She's a spouse. She's, a, she's got separate yichas. So if you say, Uber yerech imai, fine, then listen, go with the mother. But 
if in general a fetus follows the father, the lineage follows the father, it must be it's not part of the mother and it's its own entity. Yeah? Can't, can't you say there's a transition that takes place? Because we, we know in, in... Okay, but when? You want no transition? At birth. At birth because up until the, the, the Rosh comes out, the, the fetus is considered uber yarachima. How do you know? Because... How do you know? And that's exactly what the Gemara is saying over here. The, only by Mitzrim it says, Asher Yivoldu, that it's dependent on birth. Okay. With, if not for that Pasuk, this is exactly the story we're going to go through now. If not for that Pasuk, it seems like it's not dependent on birth. And the child's still going to be following the mother, which means he's a separate, this baby, male or female, is a separate entity from the mother. Okay. So if that's true, now we're going to question this. That it's going to follow the father in general. But this that Rava holds. If you have a pregnant non-Jewish woman who converts to Judaism. No? What's the halacha? Does the kid need to go to the mikvah again? Of course not. We know that. A pregnant woman goes to the mikvah. Counts for the child as well. When that child's born, you don't need to dunk that baby into the mikvah. If a baby's not part of the mother, after the baby's born, why don't we, why don't we have to put it in the mikvah? Did the baby go to the mikvah? No. There was a big time chatzitza around this baby. Yeah, placentas sometimes get in the way. Right? So if it's not over Yerachimai, if it's not a limb, if it's its own entity, Hello? Why aren't we dunking it in the mik? Vechite, we're never going to say, Mishom de Rabbi Yitzchak, because Allah of Rabbi Yitzchak, the reason why we don't dunk him in the mikvah, is because Rabbi Yitzchak, the Amar, Rabbi Yitzchak, all Dvar Torah, that really, Midai Raisa, Rubai Yomakbid, Allah of Chaitzetz, Rubai Yomakbid, Allah is Chaitzetz, Rubai Yomakbid, Allah of Inner Chaitzetz, but majority of your body, body is covered, and you're not Makbid. That's not considered a chatzitza, and therefore, since the baby's totally fine being inside the mother, maybe taka the mother will not be a chatzitza if that's taka true. Top of Amud Beis, Amar Rabbi That's only if you majority, but entire thing is chaitzes. Shiny Uber, Tahainu Ravise. That we would say that maybe the mother's still not a chatzitza because that's the way it usually grows. Period. End of that conversation. Let me explain this halacha. We ran through this. Let's explain the halacha. Very, very, very nagaya, very important. Here's how it works. There's a halacha that tells us, when you go to the mikvah, you are immersing yourself in the original world. Originally, everything was water. Before there was a rakia, the separation, everything was water. Yeah? Our entirety has to be surrounded by water. No chatzitzas, no interpositions, nothing getting in the way of the water touching my body. Now, we know that the Allah Mahishinai tells us the only time something's really a chatzitza is when it blocks the water from touching most of your body and I makbid that it's there. I don't want it to be there. Those are the two things that Cause we're going to call it biblical, even because halacha machusinais are really darises. It's not valid. Again, so midaraisa. What makes a tefillah not valid with a chatzitza? 
if it's on most of your body and you care. So let's give an example. You have somebody with paint on a majority of their body. They just came back from cheering on their, famous, their favorite college football team. All right? They painted their whole body. Say the torso, the head, the arms, yeah, they're rocking it. Fine. Now they want to go to the mikvah. Okay? Now, no person outside of that football game, even the one who dressed up, wants that on their body permanently. You want it for your football game. You go to the mikvah, midaraisa, it's nishta gitzvila. Not a good tefillah. Sorry. Yeah, it doesn't work. Okay. The Rabbanon, when they made a decree, and they said that um, because the Allah says, Rubai umakbit is not good, we're going to make, we're going to say anything on most of your body, even if you don't care, is also a problem. Or anything you care about on a minority of your body is also a problem. So in other words, Midarais, you need both things to make it not valid, to make a chatzitza. The Rabbana say, if one or the other is also a chatzitza. Now, really, lahalacha, and this is where we have to know this. Miyut, if it's on a small part of my body, makbit, and I'm not makbit, it's a totally valid tefillah. No problem whatsoever, okay? Very common shayla that comes, uh, that comes my way. Very, it's not, uh, not every night, but very often, you'll have somebody go to the mikvah, at night, and they'll call up late, and rightfully so. They'll call, they say, oh, I got back from the mikvah, and I noticed I have a little bit of nail polish. A little bit of nail polish, either on my finger, on my toe. Okay. So what, what, what question? Now, now you're all Rabbana. So what's the question? Is it the type of nail polish that on your finger that you would be embarrassed to walk outside with? Generally, the answer is no. They didn't even notice it until they were OCD and came back and now noticed a little speck. Right? So the answer is, Avada, it's okay. Why? It's miyot, the enoi makbit. Now they're right for asking the shayla, but now we know the psak. Right? The psak Allah is, it's a miyot, the makbit. Now, if it would be the type of thing which they would mind, so then there's a good chance you're going to say, you go back. Right? Because midrabonon, it wasn't a, it wasn't a valid tefillah. But anything that, anytime it's a miyot, the enoi makbit, if it's in a minority part of your body and People don't mind such a thing, okay? So then it's going to be a fine tefillah. Fine. So that's a little introduction to, to the halacha. What the Gemara just said is like this A fetus inside of a mother. The mother goes to the mikvah. Is the fetus in the mikvah? It's fascinating. Yeah? So here's really how we're going to break it down. We said, no. You know why? Because the mother's around it. Yeah? So it says, and and the, the mother covers a majority. Mother covers a majority. Not only is a majority, but the mother covers the entire thing. So it should not be a valid tefillah, and we should have to put the baby back in the mikvah. So the question remains, when this baby comes out of the mother, if you say that a baby is not the limb of a mother, why don't we put it back in the mikvah? To which the Gemara gives a fascinating answer. You ready for this? The Gemara says that by a fetus, since its way of growth is inside the womb of the mother, the mother herself is not even called a chatzitza. I'll give you an example. We're going to call the mother kind of like hair. Hair. It's hair on scalp. Yeah? She's like hair to the baby. She's an extension of the baby. That's how the baby grows. Not that the baby's part of her per se, 
But since that's the normal, natural way for the baby to be, we're not even going to blibe, we're not even going to call the mother to be a chatzitz in the first place. Hence, the baby does not need to go to the mikvah. That's the lumdus that we're creating over here. Okay. He said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan. By the nations of the world, the nations of the world, we generally follow the father. Father, father. Now, why is it Nagea to us? I'll tell you. Because whenever you want to call somebody a Kanani, an Amaleki, yeah, it's going to follow depending on whether the father is a Kanani or an Amaleki. Once they convert, you follow whichever one is the bigger Pagam, is, is the bigger issue. Meaning, you have somebody from the Canaan, from the nations of Canaan, the Yenalad Mary, that he has relations with a Canaanis, and they have a child, you're allowed to purchase that child as an Eved, okay? And um, there's no Chiyav to kill them, like you, like you are a Canaani. Okay, as it says, even amongst the Tisham who dwell amongst you, you are allowed to purchase from for them as slaves. Meaning, those who come to live in the land are allowed to be uh, are allowed to be slaves, are allowed to be servants. Okay. I might think you're only let to purchase a servant from those who were born to a Canaanis, but not to a Canaanim. Okay? If they were Nailad from the mothers in your land, then you could take them as servants. But not if they're Garim, not from those who were originally Canaanim in your land. So, if, again, if you have a child, if you have a, a Canaanim who had relations with a woman who is a regular we'll call her a gaita, yeah, a non-Jewish woman, then the child will be considered a kanani. But, but if you have a regular guy who marries a kananis, this child is not considered a kanani. Nizgairu, if they are megayer, halachachar pogum shebishneim. You follow the bigger issue, the bigger pagam. You have two, two goyim. Yeah, they, they, they weren't Jewish and they convert. We're going to look at them and be like, okay, one second, you're mayavi, you're, you know, you're a mitzris, yeah? Okay, we're going to look at the bigger Pagam. Says Gemara Bemai. As far as uh, which halacha is this concerning? Even about Mitzri Shos Amaynis. Even talking about a, a Mitzri who marries an Amaynis. Okay, so now remember what's uh, um, what's Amayn They cannot marry at all. The men, right. the women are allowed to marry. So you're going to have a a um, Mitzri who marries an Amaynis. She's really okay, but the Mitzri is the one who doesn't yet have enough generations. So we're going to follow the bigger pagam, which is the male mitri. My pagam shebe shneim isba. What is the um, what is the bigger pagam? That's a great question. That can't be the case where you follow the bigger problem. You know why? Because isn't aminus a problem at all? No, she never started out with a problem because she wasn't included in the pasuk and the Torah. So don't tell me that when two people convert, you're going to look at the bigger problem. And you know what the case is? A, a mitri. Who marries an Aminus? Oh, the kid's gonna be a Mitzvah. No, one second. A bigger problem means they're both a problem. Is an Aminus a problem at all? No, a problem never started. So that can't be a case where you have two people who convert and you follow the bigger problem. 
Ella, you know what the case of we're following the bigger problem? It says the Gemara, last step before the Mishnah, but Amaini, the case must be when you have an Amaini man, so he's going to be forbidden forever, right? And Shenosa Mitzris, he marries a Mitzris. Okay, so now they're both coming in with issues. The father converts, right? He's Jewish, but he's an Amaini. He's never let him marry a regular Yisraelis. The mother is. A mitzris, she at a certain point, her descendants would be allowed to marry it. If this kid is from this relationship, which is a permitted relationship, right? It's permitted. They're both Jewish. One's an Amaini, one's a Gyaris. Yeah, mitzris. So if they have a, cha- a, a son, Shadie Basar Amaini, this son is also going to be considered the next generation Amaini and not be permitted to be Yavi Bekal. It's not like, oh, now you're a second generation Mitzri because your mother was a Mitzris. No, no, no. You have the status of an Amaini. In and if the child's from this relationship is a girl, Shadia Basar Mitzris. Then she's actually going to follow the Mitzris um, issue because as far as the girls are concerned, that's the bigger problem. You know why? If we follow, if we throw her after the father, What's going to happen to her? She's an Amainis, which is no problem. Right? So if there's a daughter, we're not going to say, oh, follow the father, because then she's totally allowed. So we're going to say, follow the mother. Now you're a second generation mitzvah, and your children will be allowed to marry in. So that's how we're always going to take on the bigger issue. Okay. Kevaldik, Kevaldik, Kevaldik. That wraps up the sugya. Here we go. Next Mishnah. Six lines into the wide lines on Ayin Ches Amud Beis. Mamzerim unesinim asurim. Mamzerim and nesinim are asur. What do you mean asur? They're forbidden. They're not allowed to marry. They're not allowed to marry into Klal Yisrael, a regular kahal. Okay. A mamzer? You know what that is? Yeah, mamzer. Yeah. A Nasan is a descendant of that group that converted, that pretend they, they tricked Yoshua. And um, and uh, they they converted out of fear. Yeah, they come from that group. The Isurin Isser Eilim, and they're Usher forever. Usher forever. Okay. Echad Zicharim, the Echad Nekevus. Okay. Echad Zicharim. This is for males and for females. Now this needs explanation. This needs explanation. What do you mean, males or females? So. Is a mamzer allowed to marry into Klal Yisrael? No. Is a mamzeress allowed to marry into Klal Yisrael? No. Also not. Mamzer mamzeress is the same. And the same thing is true by Nesinim. Okay? Same thing is true by, um, by these Nesinim. So it applies to both Benefibah. Here we go. Omri Shlokish mamzeress lachra asar daris muteris. Shlokish says, no! A mamzeress after 10 generations is fine. Whoa. Shlokish. Coming up with a kula. He's coming up with a leniency over here. Wow. Where do you get this from? Yalaf Asiri Asiri Miyamani Miyavi learns it out from Asiri Asiri, the, the word tenth from Amain and Mayav. Malalana Kabus Mutara is just like by the ten generations of Amin and Mayav, the men are forbidden, but the women are allowed. Afkan the Kabus Mutaris. So too, after ten generations, the Nakevis of Amamzeras are going to be allowed. Says the Gemara, what what type of what type of uh, limud is that? Imala halon miyad by Amin and the women are permitted immediately. Afkan miyad. So too, if you're going to compare a mamzeres to a uh, a minus, she should be mutter. Uh, she should be mutter right away. 
Says the Gemara, Ki ahani No, this is type of which is only from the tenth generation and onward, because it's a type of mum, it's a type of blemish, so to speak, where the Torah lists the word ten generations, and the iser um, uh, of a mam, of a mamzer being forbidden doesn't really, you know, stay explicitly, doesn't say straight out. Um, about uh, 10 generations, but we're going to learn it out from the Amoinus. Okay, so the same way the Torah uses the word Asara Deires as far as the prohibition of the men, so we're going to say that a granted a Mamzer is forever, but a Mamzeres also is going to be permitted after, um, after the 10th generation. Says the Gemara, hold on, hold on. This halacha, uh, th- this Limud and this halacha is not working out. Says the Gemara, pause. Vanan Tanan. We, we learned in a Mishnah. Mamzerim unesinim, a mamzer and a nasin, asurin the isurin israelim. What are Mishnah say? They're forbidden. They're always forbidden. Echad zicharim, the echad nekevis. So, you want to come up with some sort of limud, Reish Lakish? Reish Lakish, take a step back. Can you please read our Mishnah, Reish Lakish? Please do us a favor. The Mishnah says, men and women, forever. Mamzer, nasin, nothing doing. How can you argue on our Mishnah? To which the Gemara answers like Kash. There's no question on Rish Lakish Rabbi Mishnah. You know why? You know what Rish Lakish is going to say? He's going to wiggle out. He's going to say, um, He's going to hold that a, a uh, if you hold that a, which Rish Lakish wants to hold, that a Mamzeres, after 10 generations is allowed, he says, You learn out from it, and you learn out from it totally. And the halacha of our Mishnah is according to one who says, take it from its own place, but keep it in its own uh, situation. Now, there, what this is referring to is that there's a machlaikas, a well known machlaikas, a famous machlaikas, we'll call it, between Rebbe Lazar and, and uh, Rebbe Yeshua, when, uh, how to exactly approach a gzera shava. When you, when you make a gzera shava, does it have to be exactly the same with no discrepancy whatsoever? Or is there allowed to be somewhat of a difference and you only take some of the characteristics? Says Reish Lakish, the way I learned the Gzair Shava is that that uh, meaning it doesn't have to be exactly the same. And even though you want to question on me from the 10th generation, he says, I'm just going to be following the other Tana. So bottom line, we questioned Reish Lakish from our Mishnah, and Reish Lakish is going to say, our Mishnah is only going to be following the opinion of one Tana, how he learns up Agzer Shava, that it needs to be a complete learn-up. Hence, you're going to be stuck. But I don't agree, I hold like a different Tana. Reish Lakish is no longer incorrect. Why? Granted, he can't argue in a Mishnah, but now that he just explained the Machlekas Tanoim may very well be connected to the Mishnah, he'll say, I hold like the Tanoim who argue on our Mishnah. Okay. Shaul Lewis, Rabbi Eliezer. They asked a Shaila to Rabbi Eliezer. Mamzeres la'achar asara dari ma'u. Bottom line. Mamzeres, ten generations, what's the Allah? Omer lehem, mi'itin li dar shlishi v'atareno. Yeah, he says, not possible. Not possible. Okay, because um, you're not even going to get to a third generation mamzer. They don't marry in. They don't marry in. No, he's saying, listen, you know, you're going to have a problem because if you start having these mamzerim, uh, you know, uh, getting married, just let me know when this starts happening because I'm going to have to put a stop to it. That's what he's saying. 
By the time you get to the third generation, let me know, so I know to tell people to stay away from this mishpacha, if they think, if they even think of uh, marrying in. You see, clearly Rabbi Lazar holds that a mamzer should not be getting married. A mamzer doesn't bring life. Okay. Says the Gemara, what do you mean they don't bring life? We know a mamzer can marry a mamzeras, right? We, there, there's ways for a, for a mamzer to have children. It's not like a mamzer is physically, scientifically sterile and can't have kids, you can find somebody that's moms are Kamari and the expression we're using is like imamish can't have kids, to which the Gemara clarifies and says, you're right, you're right. If a person knows that, that uh, somebody else is a mamzer, so then we actually allow that mamzer to get married and have children. Why? Because people know. As long as people know, there's no issue of these Bamzerim entering Klal Yisrael. The, um, the loyadia, but if, if uh, it's a type of Mamzer that people aren't aware about, so lo lachyai. Lo lachyai is, we don't let him marry. We, we don't let him marry. The, you, you can't be hush-hush about this. It's a very important limit over here, right? You, you can't keep such things quiet. If people know, you're better off. And you could do more. If you're, if people don't know, that's when you have a problem. Diadi v'loyadi. What if it's not so well known? Okay. So then, up until the third generation, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll be fine with their marriages and having children. But past that, we don't want it because then people may start to no longer know about the mamzeris, and people may start intermarrying with this family. There was a mamzer who lived in the yeshuv of Rabami, in the town of Rabami. Achriz Aleh, Rabami announced about him, the mamzer, that he's a mamzer. And he would walk, the mamzer would walk around crying, oh, I am so embarrassed. Rabami said, Don't be embarrassed. You know why I'm telling you about it? You're a mamzer? I'm giving you life. I'm giving you life because people now know now you can go on living your life like a regular mamzer. Go marry a mamzeres. Go have children. There's no problem. But until people knew you were more limited, you know, you're going to be limited in what you can do. Okay. Amr of Chana Barada. Chana Barada says, Nisinim, David, Gozleim, David decreed upon the Nisinim. Shnei it says that they're not allowed to marry in. Shnei Mar Vikra Melcha Gabbanim Yale, give me two more minutes. All right, two more minutes and then we'll wrap he called, he, he called towards the Gavainim and he said, the Gavainim are not considered Klai Yisrael. What do you mean they're not considered Klai Yisrael? We know that they're considered Jews, but they're not let them marry into Klai Yisrael. My time of Why did David Melech decree about the Nesinim? He there was a rub, there was a famine in the land for three years, one year, three years in a row. Shonari Shaina Amalaham Shamba Ibdekhabam Yeshbachem. Dabdamelh said, you know, why is there a famine in Klaiso? Maybe there's a Baliyabi Dazara. If you survey the Zara, Kadash Baruchu is gonna stop the rains. 
There was no Bali Avaida Zara in Klal Yisrael. Shnia, the second year, there was still a famine. Maybe we're doing too many Averis. That there's not going to be any rain because of the Isha Zaina when there's Averis and immorality taking place. That's what causes famine. They went and they, they said, No, David Amelech, our beloved king, there's no, nothing taking place. Maybe there's people who pledge money publicly and they don't follow through. Maybe that's why Hashem's upset. That the, the clouds and the winds, everything's withheld for a person who takes covod through uh, lying pledges. But it's also not going on. Amar David says, You know that the problem is me. I'll take a chryas on this. What does it mean? He went and asked the Urim Betumim, what are we supposed to do? Write the breastplate of the Kayin Gadol. What are we supposed to do? My mashma, where do you see this? Amr Abelazar. Abelazar says, Asya Pnei Pnei, from the Gzir Shav of the word Pnei Pnei. David requested from the face of Hashem, from before Hashem. And he asked from, for judgment for the Urim in front of Hashem. Hashem said to Shol, the Obeis Hadamim Asher Hamis. As Hagavainim. Hashem said, the, it, This is for Shaul, referring to the famine. Okay? Meaning, David Amelech was searching why there's a famine. What exactly is happening? So he said, It's because of Shaul that he killed the Givainim. El Shaul Shalay Nispad Kehalacha. What does it mean, El Shaul? El Shaul doesn't mean we're blaming Shaul, we're, bl- we're blaming Kali Shaul. They didn't give him a proper hesped. And for the house of David is something that Shola Melech did wrong. That is, he killed the Gavainim. What happened over there? What's the story? Why did Shola kill the Gavainim? Since he killed out Naiv Ir Hakai Hanim. Shola thought that this city, which had a lot of Kaihanim in it, a lot of Tzadikim, they were protecting David Amalek. And therefore, he felt that they were rebelling against him, and he went and he wiped them out. Shahayu speaking the Mayimumazan. They brought Mayimumazan, the Gavainim. These were the ones, as we explained earlier with Steve, right? They were the ones who, in the times of Yeshua, they came to convert, and Yeshua made them um, the the wood choppers and the and the uh, water carriers, and they worked for the Kahanim in the in the city of Naiv. Okay, and once the Kahanim were all killed by Shaul, so now the Giv'ainim didn't have anybody to serve. So it was like Shaul wiped out the Kahanim as well as the Giv'ainim. The Torah considers it like he killed them. Why? He took away their Parnasa. Very important, Limud. You take away somebody's Parnasa, right? Says you're cutting them off. It's like you're killing them. Says Gemara, Katabal Shaul, Shalai Nisbar, Kalacha. Where uh, Hakadosh Baruch Hu has a claims that we didn't eulogize Shaul properly. It's a fascinating thing, right? There's two claims that Hashem brought the famine for. You ready for this? That we didn't honor Shaul correctly, and that Shaul did the wrong thing. It's like two contradictory things taking place over here, right? So Gemara says, "In yeah, let's talk about what's happening." Gemara Shlakish Shlakish says, what's the meaning of the pasuk which says, "Bakshu es Hashem, search out Hashem." Kol an it's all the humble people of the land that share mishpatai pa'alai, who fulfill his mishpat. Ba'asher mishpatai sham pa'alai, the place where a person is judged, that's where we talk about his goodness. Meaning, 
It's a fascinating, such a deep concept. No person is all good or all bad. Yeah? When there's expectations of us, that means our shortfalls very quite possibly will be mentioned. It's not a stira. It's not a stira. It's not all one thing, as, as we said on Pesach from the Salanter. The four sons are not four different people. The four sons very well could be one person. Right? The four sons are one person. I could be a Russia, I could be a Chacham, I could be a Tam, I could be a Shainade Elishal. I'm all four. Depends when. Depends when. Some ways we're stronger, some ways we're weaker, some ways we're ignorant, some, some ways we're unconscious. We don't even know where to start. That's the beauty of being a human. Says Rabbi Salanter. Don't think it's four different people. It's one person in, in, in various times, in various areas. So the place of judgment can very well be the place where we're also mentioning the person's sidkus. Okay? To which the Gemara says, Omar David, David, when he heard this response from Hashem, he says, Sha'u, as far as Sha'u, nafkuluhu treisar yarchei shata. What am I going to do? Should I give a hespit on Shaul because we didn't eulogize him properly? The problem is, it's already a year after Shaul HaMelech had passed away. And after a year, right, as we know, so the memory of the pain and the grief starts to go away, and now is not the proper time to start, uh, to start giving eulogies. And it's not the proper time to eulogize him. So David HaMelech is now trying to figure out how is he going to reconcile these two issues and, and uh, end the famine based upon the information that Kaddish Baruch Hu gave him. We're going to hold it here for today and Veshem tomorrow we will go back again to the, to the story, pick up again from the bottom of Ayin Ches Amar Beis. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening.